to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. My guest is NBA player Kyle Guy. Kyle first drew attention when he led the University of Virginia Cavaliers to their first ever national championship. During that time, he also revealed that he was struggling with anxiety. His mental health story made headlines long before he got drafted into the NBA. He's since made a lot of progress managing his anxiety. And today he's sharing the strategies that help him feel his best. So even though you might never play for the NBA yourself, I bet you're going to be able to relate to the anxiety he feels and the strategies that he finds helpful. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist take. This is the part of the show where I'll break down Kyle's mental strength building strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Kyle Guy on how managing your anxiety can help you grow mentally stronger. Kyle Guy, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I know you started talking about anxiety before you made it into the NBA back in college, right? Yeah, I, I came, uh, I was open about it um, during my sophomore year at the end in college um, after we had lost to, um, the, we were the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed in the tournament to UMBC. And about three weeks later is when I came out about it. Um, and that year was probably the first year that I had ever it was before the game when I started like feeling anxious and having a couple of panic attacks. Um, we were the number one team in the country. We were 31 and two the whole year. Like there's a lot of eyes on us, a lot of media attention. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I didn't have full control over myself. And that was probably the first time I had like really felt that. Um, and I told the head trainer and, you know, we did some things to um, kind of uh, manage it better. Um, but when I first came out about it was uh, after my sophomore season. I think we have this misconception about athletes. We think that anybody who can perform on the court or on the field probably has everything all together. That there's no way that you struggle with anxiety like the rest of us because you get out there and do these amazing things. So what was it like to come forward and say, actually, I'm struggling with this? It was kind of nice because I felt like that whole year I was operating at like, 70 percent because i had so much weighing on me um but once once i came out you know there was a bunch of um positive reinforcement especially the people close around me um you know my dad even said he was like you should told me like i kind of i deal with this stuff too um and he's marine so he's been through like some real traumatic experiences more so than me um so it was just nice to have everyone's support that was close to me and coach bennett at uva everyone was super supportive um, you know, you had your people who just like to get on Twitter and, and, and mess with people. And, you know, that was annoying, but at the end of the day, um, the people that were closest to me supported me and that's all that mattered. And so even the people close to you didn't know for a long time. Yeah, no, I didn't tell anybody. Um, really my fiance at the time knew, um, and my trainer at UVA knew that that was pretty much it. I, I was very much a, uh, typical um, I mean, most people, but definitely the male um, 
people like to, you know, deal with it on their own. And, um, I'm too strong to see a therapist and all that kind of stuff. So I had to get over the, the macho me from uh, high school. I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people definitely struggle with that. Did it, did it come out on a Facebook post first, right? Is that how you first revealed it? Yeah, I wrote two, I wrote two letters. So it was just super therapeutic to kind of write to everyone and to myself at the same time. And so I wrote these two letters. Uh, one was like, one was like kind of more for the UVA fans on like our mind, our mindset going into the, uh, the game we eventually lost. But the one that I wrote, the second one I wrote was kind of what we were going through after and what I was going through. Um, just to give people a, you know, peek through the window of what us athletes go through. Like sometimes people just view us as the number on our Jersey or, um, as you know, a lot of people who gamble just view us as a way to make money. So, um, I thought it was important, um, to give people a behind the scenes look of, of, of what I and the team was going through. And did you know what it was at first as a therapist? I see some people who, when they have anxiety, they think they're either going crazy or that there's something physically wrong with them. Did you know that it was anxiety? Yeah, I had felt that way before, like in high school, even in middle school, growing up, you kind of like, I feel like I personally, my like telltale sign is like when I get the chills really quick and then I start sweating immediately, like um, kind of like, it's almost like you're nervous, um, but you just, can't control it. And you don't always know why that was kind of my telltale. So, um, I think I kind of always in the back of my mind and my subconscious knew what it was. Um, but my first time really identifying it was, was sophomore year of college. So I had been overwhelmed before and had these feelings before, but, um, I never really put a name to it until sophomore year. And do you have like generalized anxiety or panic attacks or a little bit of both? Do you know? Yeah, I don't, I think it was a good mixture of both. Uh, definitely more of the generalized. I didn't have too many panic attacks. I haven't had any for uh, probably almost probably two or three years now. Um, but I've done so much to combat it. Um, you know, picking up meditation, doing yoga. Um, I I don't see um, sports the sports psychologist that I was seeing in college anymore because I'm not in college. But um, I'm way more open about it to uh, people that are close to me. And that's, again, therapeutic, writing stuff down, journaling, all that. Whatever works for you is kind of what I do. And I'm all over the place in my life in general. I have my hands in basketball and then uh, movies and writing and all this stuff. So that's kind of how I deal with my anxiety, too, is just whatever works for me that day. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe I start doing a five-minute meditation and I can't sit still. I don't like it. So I move on to something else. So that's kind of how I, how I work with it. What kind of things help or how did you decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big trial by error person in, in general anyways. Um, but speaking with head trainers at every level I've been at, uh, sports psychologists, um, therapists, uh, my, my, uh, basketball trainer is actually super, uh, wise and is very like interested in this kind of stuff. And he's helped me, um, kind of figure out, um, just ways to combat it. Like I said, so that's kind of, I've always been like a, just try it. If you don't like it, move on. So that's how I, how I deal with most things. I love that because I always tell people to experiment. We won't know until we try what works for somebody may not work for you, but you won't know until you try it. I have a lot of people that come to me and say, Oh, I could never meditate or 
journaling wouldn't work for me. And then they try it for two minutes and say, well, that wasn't helpful. But until you try something and you give it a fair try, you won't know. And if you start to incorporate it into your life, you might find that after a while, it actually does work. That's the work, yep. Do you have anxiety outside of basketball or is it mostly related to basketball? No, it was definitely just like you said, journalized. It was everything that I put on my plate. I My uh, my uh, sports psychologist in Virginia called me Stretch Armstrong because I just like to do too much and put too much on my plate sometimes. Um, and I don't prepare uh, well enough mentally to take on all these things that I do um, I, or I didn't prepare well enough. Um, and so that's kind of where I got the nickname of Stretch Armstrong is this, I just, I like to do a lot of things. Like even my foundation that I have, is like, it's not supporting one cause. It supports everything because I don't like to be tied down. There's so many issues in the world, right? So that's just kind of uh, a way that my anxiety comes to fruition is just because I do so much um, that it gets on top of me sometimes when I get overwhelmed. Oh, I hear that from a lot of people that they overextend themselves and then they feel like they're incompetent or that they're not good enough because they don't have the energy to put to put their all into it. So how did you learn that? Was it somebody else pointing it out to you and then you coming or you coming to that conclusion? No, um, no again, it was just me being macho in high school when I start, like started to really create an identity for myself and the things that I was interested in. Like I didn't like being told no. And I, it's, it's a blessing and a curse when that's one of your gifts is like not, is never saying no, because one, like it pushes you further to, to heights you didn't think you could reach because you just don't take no for an answer. But then on the flip side, you never say no, you have way too much on your plate. You can't give everything a hundred percent. So, um, you know, there's pros and cons to that, but, um, I think being able to talk about it in a therapy session or with my trainer, with whoever I've chosen to, you know, talk about it with in my uh, circle, that's kind of where I figured it out was just like, I really do overextend, but now I'm so much more prepared. Like I have an assistant now, like I'm able to say no to things I'm not as passionate about. Like I have figured out ways to um, buckle down and be able to handle everything. And if I do take on too much, like now I have people who I can be like, okay, can you take care of this uh, for this day? And then, I'll t tackle it for the rest of the week or whatever. Just being able to delegate, I think, has been huge for me. Is that hard to do? Because I think sometimes we have this mentality of, I uh, should be strong enough to do everything all the time. And it takes a while to get to the point where you can say, no, if I want to be the best version of myself, I have to concentrate on what's most important. But I think for those of us that have gone through a lot in life, feeling like we have to do everything, it's hard to do to give those tasks to somebody else. Yeah, especially if you're a control freak um, like I am. Like I like having my hands and everything. Like I put on a golf outing for my foundation every year. And like this year, I gave up a little bit of like, what's the word I'm looking for? I gave up like a little bit of being in control, gave up some control. But like at the end of the day, I still wanted to run it and like do things my way. Um, and so I'm still battling with that. But you know, having so much help with an event like that obviously makes it easier on me. <clears throat> and how's your anxiety these days? Yeah, it's good. Like I said, I'm just way more prepared, way more in tune with myself and what I need. And, um, you know, I can tell when I'm going to have like a bad day or I could have a bad day if I don't do something about it. Um, I think just, it's really just with anything, it's just experience. Like just if you think you have anxiety, like put a name to it and then start figuring out ways that 
um, work for you. And that's kind of, uh, again, that's what worked for me is just being able to um, put a name to it and dissect like myself, like from the inside out, what works, what doesn't, why do I feel this way? When do I feel this way? And um, you start to, I, I mean, it's like preparing for a test daily for me, at least. So I hear a lot of people say, well, I have anxiety, but talking about it isn't going to help. In fact, a lot of people think that talking about it's going to make it worse. What would you say to somebody who says, I don't want to see a therapist because I don't want to just sit there and talk about it? Yeah, um, I would say that, how do I say this? I would say like, go in, if you're going to do it, go into it open-minded. Don't go closed-minded because nothing is going to work if you do it closed-minded. Um, but if you go on it with, full transparency, open hands. Like I feel like talking about it actually does work. Um, sometimes it'll get worse before it gets better, but you know, you're not going to clear any karma or clear any thing you have on your conscience if you don't speak on it. Um, and most times that involves, you know, either crying or it getting, you getting frustrated or it gets way harder before it gets better. But that's just part of the process in my opinion. No, I'm glad that you said that too, because it does get worse. Sometimes I see people with anxiety and they've avoided a lot of things for a long time because it's too anxiety provoking. So they think I just can't handle dealing with this problem. So then it piles up and they dig themselves into a hole. I swear you feel better after. I swear you feel better after. Yeah, I think the dread sometimes of doing something means we can spend hours dreading a task that might only take 10 minutes. It's uncomfortable, but it's doable. But our anxiety talks us out of it or we think we can't handle it. So we put it off or we say too many things and then feel overwhelmed. So part of therapy might be addressing those things head on, which is tough to do. But as you say, I see it firsthand as a therapist on this side to be able to see people that feel so much better once they have it out in the open and they address those things that they have been letting pile up for so long. And I read somewhere that you tried medication as well. I did. So I did Lexapro for like, this was when it first happened sophomore year of college. Like I did it for like two months and I just, I don't know, again, trial by error. I didn't like uh, a pill affecting, you know, my mood. I wanted to, this was probably a little bit of the macho still in me. I was like, I need to figure this out on my own. Um, but it ended up working out for me. Not everybody is, you know, is that is wired that way. Some people actually like the medication and it helps them. Um, and I definitely noticed a difference, but I just didn't, um, I don't know, something about me didn't enjoy, um, you know, taking a pill every single day. Um, number one, I stretched myself so thin that I would forget sometimes anyway. So sometimes it defeated the purpose. But at the end of the day, it was just a conscious decision on my part to just kind of find other ways to do it, to become in tune with myself. And, and I successfully did that. Awesome. I hear both sides of that. Sometimes people will say I needed medication even just for a short time until I could feel better. And then and then the other things that they do finally kick in and they're able to use coping skills. But I hear from other people who say I had side effects that were worse than the problem. So I don't want to try medication. But plenty of other people say it changed their life. They'll say I started taking this medication and now I feel so much better. So I think, as you say, it's an individual choice whether people decide it's for them or not. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I understand that you just became a dad. Ah, uh, yes. Add some more anxiety to my life. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Just had a son about uh, three weeks ago. So that's awesome. How has it affected your anxiety so far? Three weeks into being a dad. 
it's been great so far honestly i it's um i mean really my my wife has had the the probably more anxious side of it i had to leave uh four days after he was born um to come to cleveland um and try to make the team so i actually haven't been with him in uh over two weeks and um so that's been hard i i mean i guess you know that's given me a little bit of anxiety just like feeling bad or guilty or like missing him. And like, I mean, as soon as he's born, everyone says it like your whole perspective changes and it's true. I mean, I'm only 24 and it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I, he's only three weeks old. Like, how would you know that? But it's just a feeling you get. Um, and so that gives me peace when I am feeling a little anxious, like, dang, I wish I could be there. I don't want him to think I'm a bad dad, but at the end of the day, like this is my job and I'm, you know, trying to provide for him. So. And I like what you just did there. The thoughts that creep up on us that often create anxiety, you just showed us a great example of what to do. You talked back to it. So when you have that thought of, oh, you're not going to be a good dad, then you reframe it, right? Yep, exactly. How about now that you're in this situation where you're playing for the Cavaliers, yet you still have to work to earn your spot on the team? What does that do for your anxiety? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, so this is my third year in the league. Uh, my first year was kind of a blur, like rookie year. I'm not expecting to play much, which I didn't played in three games. Um, spent a lot of time in the G league. And then last year there's a open roster spot. I'm trying to make it. I don't get it. Uh, I don't expect to play many games. I end up playing in like 32 games, I think. Um, so it's an emotional roller coaster, right? And trying to now they wait, the Kings waved me, they cut me. I got fired for those that don't understand that terminology. Like I got fired basically. And now I'm trying to make it in a whole new different city. I'm living in a hotel, my background living in a hotel, (laughs) like um, for a month, just trying to make the team. And, you know, I haven't played with these guys before for the most part. I don't know the coaching staff. They have way different lingo. They have different plays. Uh, Their operation down on a daily basis are just different. So there's so many things that go into it, but having those two years, um, in the league already has definitely helped me just go with the flow and just, I've done everything on my part to control what I can control. They don't want me on the team. That's fine. You know, I'm not going to stop. I'll go find another team. And if they do want me on the team, then that's how it was supposed to be. So I think not giving too much energy to situations is kind of how I've gone about uh, handling this uh, particular, um, uh, situation. I like that because for those of us that have anxiety, it's hard to focus on what you can control because uncertainty it just definitely isn't our friend. And we want to know what the outcome is going to be so that we feel better. How have you managed to do that for a few years when you were struggling more with anxiety? Would that have been something that you could do and keep it in perspective? Where did you feel like you had to control everything all the time? No, yeah, I definitely would be spiraling out of control right now if this was four or five years ago. Um, but I think the biggest thing I've learned is just how to protect my energy. Like, like I said, you know, it's draining being anxious all the time and it's emotionally draining to give every single thing attention that sometimes doesn't deserve it. Like I didn't get like, like yesterday in practice, I didn't get too many reps in practice. Now I'm not, my job in protecting my energy is just not being, not letting it spiral out of control, not letting it get to me like oh why is the coach doing it doing that is he doing it because he doesn't like me he doesn't think i'm good enough when in retrospect like 
I just say, okay, I did everything I could. I practiced as hard as I could. I didn't get the opportunity. Tomorrow will be a, a, a different chance for me, hopefully. So um, protecting my energy and really giving detailed effort into what I give my effort and energy to has super, like helped me superbly. How about when you make a mistake on the court? How do you handle that these days? Yeah, these days is better too. It's just Coach Bennett always says like humility is um, just staying grounded, never being too high or too low. Um, and I've done, uh, I, I think for myself, a really good job of um, never getting too high or too low. If I miss a shot, oh, well, I did everything I could to prepare, shoot. I obviously wanted to make it. Um, and if I don't, then it's okay. Well, I calculate in my head, what, what can I do differently um, the next time? And all this stuff happens split seconds because I got to get back on defense. So it, it's really crazy how the mind works. Like I think about all these things in like not even a full second and I'm back playing defense, um, thinking about something else immediately after. So uh, the pace of the, the profession I'm in definitely can help or hurt depending on how, like, how much control you have over yourself. Um, but like I said, never getting too high and too low in this business that is definitely emotional roller coaster has helped me a lot. And how about managing your anxiety better in general? Has it changed your game? Has it changed how you focus on the game or how you play? Yeah, absolutely. My preparation for games has uh, definitely skyrocketed. I would also say like, like I said, off the court stuff that actually does matter. I've been able to like compartmentalize a lot better and, you know, things that I do need to give attention to, but they're kind of negative. I can push it to the side until after the game and I can fully uh, immerse myself in, in my preparation and uh, being able to perform for my teammates. Do you have a pre-game ritual, a warm-up or something that you go through to get your head in the right space? Yeah, for my entire life, I've always taken a hot shower before games. I think, I mean, that's a form of meditation and being present, being where your feet are. And I didn't realize that until probably junior year. I'm like, wow, this is actually like low-key meditation. So um, I do that, but I just uh, developed a new one. I'm really into like health and like how I can make my body and mind better. And I always, I'm just asking questions to the trainers at every team I'm on, like 24 seven, they probably get annoyed at me, but like <laughs> I've learned how um, helpful, like going from hot to cold can be or cold to hot. Like it's like a shock for your body and it wakes it up, gets your adrenaline pumping. And um, like, it's like a reset. So lately I've been doing like a 15 minute, uh, I sit in the hot tub and I'll listen to like slow music, another form of meditation. And then I'll get in the cold tub and go all the way under for 10 seconds. And then I get out. Um, and that's just like a nice little shock reset for before the game. I used to do that like 40 minutes before the game starts. So yeah, that sounds rough, but good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. I actually really enjoy it. On a daily basis, do you have things that you do now to help manage your anxiety? Are there skills or tools or strategies that you incorporate into daily life? Yeah, I try to have a good balance of spontaneity and a routine. So like, I like to plan. So in my plan for the day, I'll have like time for spontaneity, basically. Like, do I want to watch a movie? Do I want to read a book? That kind of thing. So every day is a little different for me. But at the end of the day, I do have like a routine. Um, and you know, routine got thrown off a little bit when, when, uh, my kid was born, but, um, and obviously with trying to make a team and training camp and live in a hotel, like routines can change and they honestly have to, you need to adapt. Um, but I do 
um, definitely have my stuff that I do daily and um, helps me keep everything uh, under wraps for me. And what kind of things do you do on a regular day to say, okay, here's how to incorporate this stuff into my life to manage my anxiety? Do you have regular things you do that keep it at bay? Yeah. Yeah. I'd start my day with a 10 minute meditation, nothing crazy. It does, I think people have a misconception that like meditation has to be for like an hour or 30 minutes when in reality it could be one minute. It's really, again, it's person to person. It's everyone's preference. And uh, I like a 10 minute uh, meditation, just think like visualizing the day and what I'm going to accomplish, what I want to accomplish. Um, and then at the end I do another 10 minute before bed. That's like just being grateful. Um, more so than anything else. And then in between some days I read, I'm a huge movie buff and I'm super into film. So some days I'll watch a TV show or a movie. Um, I actually just got done watching Ted Lasso, which actually talks a lot about what we're talking about, which is cool <laughs> to see on the, on the screen. You don't see that all the time. So, um, that's, uh, been helpful for me. Um, basketball is a form of therapy. I actually like enjoy practice. Now there were times in college where I dreaded it because I didn't have, I couldn't manage what I was feeling. And now I like really look forward to it. Like it's a, um, I, I saw this on Twitter or something the other day. It's like, it's not that you have to go to practice. Like you get to go to practice. So just changing my perspective in ways like that. I like that. How about when it comes to meditation? I have a lot of people say, I don't know how to meditate. How do I learn? How did you learn how to do it or what to do? Yeah. My trainer's name is Derek Grant based in Indianapolis. He's a public speaker and he used to train basketball. And now he only trains uh, me and one other WNBA player. So um, he's basically dedicated his life to um, bettering him, himself and, and the people around him. And he's really helped me like just a new vantage point of what meditation um, and well-being is. And so, you know, there's, there's Wim Hof breathing. There's, I've tried that and actually really enjoy it. And I can hold my breath for like almost three minutes now. Like it's crazy. Whoa. Um, like seriously, it's, it's crazy. If you have not tried it, I, you're going to think it's weird. Be, like most people who don't aren't familiar with it are going to think it's weird because you're like making noises and breathing. But I would just go to a place where no one can hear you and then you don't have to worry about that. Um, but I've done it for so long now. I have no problem doing it. Like right here, people staring at me, who cares? Right. Um, and then there's normal meditation where someone's like guiding you and talking you through it. There's some where you can put on like a song that just gets you, everyone has that song that just like releases that, that, that joy, um, and like gets you kind of in your feels a little bit. Um, you can do that, uh, with lyrics or not, you can just do the instrumental, um, and then there's people who are super advanced and I've done it a few times. I'm not as good, but just no music or no anything talking in your ear. You're just literally immersed in, in nature around you or whatever you're around. So, um, again, as most of this is with, with mental health and well-being, it's just like whatever works for you, man. Like I've tried a lot of things and I do a lot of things differently every single day. Like some days Wim Hof works for me. And some days I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. Let me just do a, a visualization um, for 10 minutes. So it's, it's uh, to each his own. And when it comes to your anxiety now, do you feel like it's better? It's cured? Do you feel like this is going to be a lifelong battle? Something you're always going to be up against? Yeah, I mean, I would venture to say everybody has some sort of anxiety and you're never, it's not like, I don't think cure is the correct word. I think just being able to manage and identify with it. Like it's a, it's, 
we're wired this way as humans to, you know, we have fight or flight, like we have these instincts. And so you really can't control it sometimes. And um, I think um, that's why you see so much like the call map and stuff like you see this stuff starting to get pushed because it's super helpful and everybody needs it at one point or another in their life. Some people only experience like one huge panic attack and then they never feel anything else again. Some people have a bunch of panic attacks. Some people just like get the uh, goosebumps and start sweating like I used to. Like everyone's different. And so if you can find ways, I've never met anyone who has said, yeah, I've never felt anxiety in my life. And everyone who did say that, when you explain the symptoms to them, they're like, oh, yeah, I have felt that before. So um, I think just, again, to each his own. Yeah, absolutely. We're supposed to have some anxiety. It keeps you safe, right? You wouldn't look both ways before you cross the road unless you had anxiety. But most high achievers actually have a fair amount of anxiety because it's what drives people. A lot of times people say, well, uh, I'm anxious about failing, so I really want to succeed. Or they have anxiety that just keeps them going. But then you have to figure out how do I balance my anxiety so that it doesn't become a hindrance in my life. So I guess my last question for you is if somebody listening to this show said, yeah, I struggle with anxiety, but where do I start? How do I get help? What's the first thing I should do? What would you say to them? Kind of been the theme of this whole thing is I would just try anything and everything that's to your disposal. So if that's, uh, you know, if you're in sports, a sports psychiatrist, if you just want to talk to a therapist, you just want to talk to a coach. Um, a parent, a lot of people don't like to talk to parents because it just makes them feel like weak or embarrassed. Um, so I get that. Um, there's a lot of helplines. There's trying meditation, like just find what works for you. Um, don't say, I wouldn't say no to anything the first time or even the second time, like try everything and, um, figure out what works. You'll know right away. It's a gut feeling. It's, you'll feel better right away. Like, um, just be open-minded. Um, you know, it's funny being closed-minded actually gives you more anxiety. So just be open-minded, try everything. Um, and once you find something that works, like just make sure it's a part of your daily routine. If you can't do it daily for some reason, which I think everyone should be able to like, at least make sure you're doing it on a consistent basis because, um, it can be life altering and life changing in a positive way. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kyle. I have no doubt that your advice and your tips are going to help a lot of our listeners. So thank you for that. No, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This was one I was looking forward to. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is a part of the show where I break down my guest strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of Kyle's strategies that I really like and how using them might help you grow mentally stronger too. Number one, delegate tasks. Most people with anxiety try to control everything. Part of that desire to be in complete control often means insisting on doing everything yourself. After all, someone else might mess it up. So I love that Kyle said he's learned to delegate so he can focus on the things that are most important to him. Too often we blame ourselves for not being productive enough when the real problem is that we give ourselves way too much to do in way too little time. So... Whether delegating means you hire a virtual assistant to do certain tasks or you just delegate chores to other family members, delegating tasks could make a big difference in the overall quality of your life. I know that it's hard to do though. And at first, it feels like more work to teach someone else what to do and how to do it. You might even feel more anxious at first as you let someone else take over. 
But think of it like an investment. Putting in a little extra time now to teach someone else how to take over will free you up for a lot more time in the future so you can focus on the things that are actually more important to you. And number two, experiment with different anxiety management strategies. There's not a clear formula for resolving anxiety. Instead, it requires a little trial and error. So I love that Kyle talked about experimenting with different things. For some people, going for a daily jog keeps anxiety at a tolerable level. Other people find it's helpful to have a friend to talk to whenever their anxiety skyrockets. You won't know what works for you until you try. It's important to experiment with different lifestyle strategies to determine how much exercise is best for your mental health or how certain changes to your eating or sleeping habits affect your anxiety. It's also important to have coping skills for times when you're feeling really anxious. Well, one person might say it's helpful to read a book to get their mind off their stress. Someone else might say that they just can't concentrate when they're really stressed out and they find it more helpful to do some breathing exercises. There are lots of coping skills out there and it's important to learn what works best for you. And number three, keep an open mind. I was relieved to hear Kyle talk about the importance of keeping an open mind when it comes to discovering what works for you. Because if you're convinced that something isn't going to work, it probably won't help. I can't tell you how many people have walked into my therapy office saying things like, I know talking isn't going to help, but my doctor said I have to see you a few times before I can get medication. Or my partner said I had to come in and talk to you, but I actually don't believe in therapy. When anyone walked through the door convinced that therapy wasn't going to work, they weren't likely to benefit. And if they do start to feel a little bit better, they just insist that it's a coincidence or that it's not going to last since they're certain that therapy doesn't actually help people feel better. In those cases, my first job is usually to help people keep an open mind about how therapy might actually help. If they can consider for just a minute that it might be helpful, they'll be much more likely to benefit. This is true with lots of treatments, whether we're talking about medication, therapy, or a coping skill that you're trying at home. If you think it's possible that something could help, you'll be much more likely to benefit. So I appreciated that Kyle said, keep an open mind about a lot of different strategies. So those are three of Kyle's strategies that I highly recommend. Delegate tasks, experiment with different strategies, and keep an open mind. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.